755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome to 755 is real presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70 celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, former Braves reliever Eric O'Flaherty. What's happening? Eric, how you doing, man? Doing all right. How you doing? I'm doing all right, dude. Better than the Braves are doing. I mean, it's you as you know that in a, even in a long season where you know you can't go game to game, sometimes it gets rough. And right now with the Braves, they're in the roughest span that I can recall in recent years. Where you start, you don't want the season to slip away if you're the Braves, and you feel it. You know, like not desperate, but getting there for for June. You know, when you fall seven and a half games back and you're five games under 500 and you've lost six out of seven games and led in a lot of those games, it starts to be like, you know, you can't just keep going. Ah, plenty of time, plenty of time. I mean, you got to start showing some signs of being able to turn this around. Yeah, I think mean, that's the hard part, you know. I mean, in baseball, you get the same quotes and it's a lot of times guys say them because they have to believe them because that's the only way you do turn things around. You know, you repeatedly tell yourself it's still early or we just got to get going. But it gets harder to say that, you know, especially some tough losses. And it seems like just finding new ways to lose or different things to go wrong and not, you know, it kind of seems like the same story. But, you know, I mean, they still got time, obviously. But it's, it's the more you say that and the more time you burn, you know, it does get harder and harder to believe it yourself. Yeah, and I think last night we saw that bubble over with Snit. We saw I saw a yeah. Snicker that I have not seen publicly. I have not seen him make those comments publicly. He's always been like Bobby, where he never you know criticize, almost never criticizes players individually or specifically about something. You know, usually covers for him. Says you know I can't fault the guy for being so for trying to make something happen, being aggressive. Last night it kind of boiled over between pitchers getting ahead of of hitters. You know, and not being able to put them away with two strikes and, you know, relievers uh, walking guys late in games and then making mistakes on the base uh, on the bases like uh, Acuna did in the ninth inning. It all kind of pulled over last night when the Braves give up a – Mentor gives up a grand slam to Verdugo after they take a one-run lead and they end up losing yet again. Uh, getting swept by the Red Sox in two games, but – to make, I mean, the Red Sox are a really good team, but that's Braves scored 16 runs in two nights and lost two games. Yeah. Eight and eight, lost 10 to eight, 10 to eight. That's rough. Those are, those are the hardest losses, too. You know, the, when, you, when you feel like the whole team did what they wanted. And I mean, bullpens are going to falter, too, but the when a bullpen blows a lead late and you feel like you had that game one and you scored eight runs and you feel like all we got to do is put up a couple zeros and we win, you know, those usually. Bullpen losses are the the most deflating. As a bullpen, how does, what as a reliever, do you are you guys conscious of that of how much impact you can have? You know how deflating oh, yeah. it, it can be. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, I mean you feel it, you know it because you're sitting down there with your feet up for the first six innings and your team's grinding away and you see them busting their ass and here I come to mess up everything you did. Yeah, <laughs> you know just to undo it in a couple pitches. You yeah, know? I mean it. It's definitely. I mean you you lose a lot of sleep over, over doing that, you know? I mean, it hurts. You know, it's two emotional swings. It's two uh, – uh, I was talking last night uh, to Ian Anderson about how when you only go four innings, and here's a guy expects to go six, seven innings every night, expects to give up, you know, no runs or one or two runs tops. And he gets – he gives – he throws almost 90 pitches in four innings and leaves, you know, gives up four or five runs last night. So – there's the, there's a starting pitcher's grief over then the game went over four hours. So as a starting yeah. pitcher, you're sitting there for over two hours watching all this stuff happen and all these relievers come in and give up, get lit up and and have to use like five relievers. So there's that emotion, that misery of a starting pitcher. And then there's what you talk about, the pressure of a reliever coming in and mm-hmm. it's going up and puff all the work that your team did. Yeah. Instead of the starters watching your team try to come back and and overcome the the hole you put them in, relievers got that pressure of oh my god, all the everybody did all night, and I just get I just ruined it all. Yeah, and I think it definitely builds. You know, the the more a bullpen lets a team down, 
um, mm-hmm. the more pressure guys feel and the more you don't want to do that to your team again. And it turns into a thing. Snowballs. Um, yeah. You just, you, I mean, you need good leaders down there to kind of help guys not feel that pressure and, and, and know how to channel it. Um, but you know, if you, if you're conscious of it and you let it get to you, I mean, you can go out there and it could feel like you're pitching in the world series, even if it's June, you know, if you let that pressure build enough and that's, that's when guys really struggle. And I think that's uh, something that maybe got downplayed or overlooked by by just people from outside looking in in the offseason. I mean, everybody knew what you were losing with Melanson. You're losing a really good closer. But I think people don't understand how important what you were losing with O'Day because O'Day was the unquestioned leader of that bullpen for the last couple of years. Yeah. Every If you ask, every single reliever would say O'Day is the leader. It didn't matter how much what he was doing on the, on the field because the one year when he was hurt – he didn't even pitch, and he was the leader yeah. of the bullpen. But last year, he pitched really well too. But he was the guy that had been, you know, been in the league for 15, 16 years, and kept everybody loose. Knew exactly what to say to guys in the bullpen. When you take that out, in addition to taking out your closer Melanson, and putting in Will Smith, who you know on some nights he looks dominant, other nights he gives it up. I mean, he's not he's not a steady, he's not a consistent closer like Melanson was last year, like yeah. some of the guys they've had in the past. She just took out some big pieces of that, and you took out Shane Green. You didn't add him back until now, and he's obviously still getting his feet under him. You took out those late starts always seem to go the way it's going for Shane. You know, I I don't know why, but when he came in and had a rough first game, I was like, it just seems like that's how it always goes. But yeah, I mean, that's the best leadership. Is just a couple of horses down there. Your eight nine guys that just don't give it up. And when when that pressure's building and you've blown a, a few games, like your setup man and your closer just go one two three and the game's over. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the more guys you can have doing that, that's obviously the best leadership. But there's definitely it could become a thing. And you know what I mean when I say it becomes a thing where it's everybody's conscious of it. You know, everybody's talking about it. You come into a game as a reliever. And you just feel quadruple the pressure you should, you know, and, and the more pressure you feel as a player, especially negative pressure, you know, I mean, it, it's a lot more likely to blow up on you. You know, the less pressure you can pitch with, usually the better you are. And that's why I think guys like Bobby Cox and, and, and Snit, you know, they downplay to, everything, everything. So that's why it was so unusual last night to hear Snit. Yeah. It just boiled over, you know, and we're getting him 10 minutes after the game ends too. So he, an hour yeah. later, I'm sure Snit would have been able to handle, you know, and, and, and do as usual you know, defend everybody and uh, talk about how much, you know, there's still plenty of time. we got a great team. But it boiled over last night, and uh, you could hear his frustrations. his frustrations. I was thinking that, you know, because I think he more more focused on Acuna's play than than anything else that happened in the game. Because it happened at the end, yeah. It was the last – I mean, that, that he could still taste that, you mm-hmm. know, when he's given an interview and he's he hasn't mentally gotten over that play he just watched yet. I, mean, yeah. I don't think he was really targeting him or singling him out. It was just the most – recent play that that it happened and it was the last gasp i mean if he's at second base they're down two he's just driven in a run with a great hit they're, they're down two and freddie's up and i know freddie's been slumping out. but you still have the mvp up with a guy with a great track record of hitting with runners in scoring position yeah you're you know one swing away from tying that thing up again so um anyway i didn't even mention and it needs to be mentioned the bullpen the losses the bullpen had last year due to budget restraints, all that, all that stuff that, you know, that if, if they would be, if, if Alex could be, or would be really clear with where the budget went and went, what the decisions were made, maybe we'd have a better grasp of it. My understanding is I think they thought he thought it was going to be higher initially when his off season started, but they were waiting to see, you know, the last, the reports of the last uh, quarters last year and how much exactly Liberty had lost. And then they gave him a budget number. And I think at that point he was handcuffed and couldn't, he had already spent too much on Smiley and Charlie Morton thinking he was going to have enough to, you know, and then what they had left, they were desperate to get that bat that they didn't get through other means. So they ended up signing Ozuna in February and giving him what they had left. So as a result, you didn't sign Shane Green until the second month of the season for a million and a half. Um, a good deal on him. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, what what I haven't mentioned enough, I think, is and what's I think a lot of people overlooked it because it was made move made in December, and I reported on it, and I reported that Marty Reed's frustration at being fired, the bullpen coach was fired, and it was at an unusual time too. It, they had signed two year extensions, so he still had a year left on his contract. They had the best bullpen they've had in about a decade last year, as we know, and I had never heard one pitcher complain about Marty Reed. You know, they all liked him, really friendly mm-hmm. guy. Everybody loves Marty. 
almost late fifties. And they fired him and Alex brought in a, a young, much younger guy, about 20 years younger, who's really versed in analytics, well-versed in analytics. And I took it to be, it was a way to get a guy on the staff who was really analytically driven, a younger, some younger blood. Yeah. And you couldn't really fire any of the other guys because they have more gravitas, former players, bigger names. You know, uh, you couldn't fire, you know, you're not going to fire uh, the Seitzers, you know, Kranitz after you know, the year they, they had. And, 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 and Marty Reed was one of those they probably thought they could do and not raise an eyebrow, you know, especially do it in December. <laughs> but uh, it struck me as odd coming off the year that they had and without yeah. anybody complaining about Marty. And I'm not saying the new guy's not good. He probably is really good. He obviously is great at analytics and knows that. But that's a tough position to be in to bring a new guy in here at spring training. Here's, you know, we had a great bullpen last year. We got a new bullpen coach. We're going to be analytically driven. And I don't know what it did to the chemistry in the bullpen, but you've talked about how the chemistry is the most important thing down there. And Eddie Perez was one of the best bullpen coaches you ever had. But Eddie wasn't about technique and, you know, mechanics and all that. That's not what made him good for you, right? There's no analytic for how tight your butthole is when the game's on the line. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know that's kind of blunt, but, it, you know, for me, the best bullpen coaches were just like the best leaders in the pen, guys that can find a way to take a dude that's got two or three years, he's climbing into a new role and he's starting to feel the pressure. I mean, you, however many times you see a guy that's, he's pitching when you're down two, he's pitching when you're down three, and then the big dogs are down for a day and he goes out there and just chokes. You know, it's, it's the same game. Why can't he throw strikes now? Because he's feeling pressure. He's nervous. He's uncomfortable. So, you know, your leaders teach you how to do that. Mm -hmm. You watch Melanson or you watch uh, Kimbrell or you watch somebody go out there with the game on the line and they just hammer it down. And they sometimes they even pitch better when the game's on the line versus when there isn't pressure. But you watch examples of how to handle pressure. And, you know, your bullpen coaches down there, they know how to keep it loose and joke around and tell you it's the same game. Um, and like I said last time, it's I didn't, I didn't need to know what pitches to throw. I didn't need to know what the percentages were. I didn't need to know what spin to put on it. You know, I mean, I could pitch, but for me, it was all about handling pressure. In 2008, I got put in the closers role because um, J.J. Putz got hurt. Mm -hmm. And it, all of a sudden, I clammed up and, and I gave up a uh, either a walk-off or a game-winning or game-tying homer. I blew like two saves in Baltimore, and it just snowballed in my head. And my confidence was gone. I was overthinking. I was feeling the pressure from the media. I, I just got I got completely distracted to where I wasn't just going pitch to pitch and executing. And I mean, that's why the Braves got me for free. I was so bad. Um, but that's how quickly you know things can get out of control mentally. And in in the pen, it's just it's all about controlling your mental state and pitching the same way you pitch when it's five nothing or ten nothing or a comfortable lead. It you know good relievers. The only difference, Melanson doesn't have better stuff than probably 75% of the league. Yeah. But he's able to go out and close because he can control his 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 heart rate. He can control mm -hmm. his thought process, and, and he's confident enough to know he's good enough to do it. He doesn't go in those games and try to do more. You know, young guys, they come into a tight game or a big situation. They throw 95. They think they got to throw 98 now. They think their slider has to be better, and they try to make it all better and rise to this occasion they feel that adrenaline rush. They feel the fans going crazy. They try to do more, and then you get torched. So, I mean, it, leadership down in the pen is just about teaching guys how to handle it. It's not necessarily – I mean, I just threw whatever the catcher called, and mm -hmm. I was just going to make pitches. And for me, it was all about positive thinking. If I gave up a hit, I tell myself, now I'm getting a double play. If I gave up another hit, now i got to get a ground ball double play. There's going to be a runner on third. got two open bases to work with. But I always had to have a positive thought process of how I was going to get out of the inning. And you're never allowed to think. I mean, you can't let yourself think if I make a mistake here, it's a three-run home or the game's tied. Those thoughts creep into your head. You hang a ball. You know, it's like you throw a slider and you're thinking, don't hang it. You hang it 95% of the time. But if you tell yourself, yeah. this isn't a big deal. If I make the pitch, the guy's out. You take pressure off yourself. You make a pitch. And the guy gets out like 95% of the time. You know, it's, it's all about your thought process. So... Especially for a bullpen, you know, you got to have good leaders and, and, you know, a guy like Marty, they were the best bullpen in the league last year, or one of the best, and they had all that depth and everything went well. I mean, it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it things. And maybe yeah. they just 
even pissed off the baseball gods a little bit yeah. firing a good baseball man that did nothing wrong. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just and, something, and, something's missing. And I don't mean to bring any unfair criticism on Drew French, his replacement, who's like might be doing a great job. Guys yeah. might love him. And they, and I think that he, they put him in a in an almost uh, can't win situation by yeah. not bringing back O'Day and Melanson because all of yeah. a sudden, I got an impre- I got the impression that O'Day. Not to downplay Marty, but I got the impression O'Day was more like the bullpen coach, you know, the last yeah. few years. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. He had a lot more impact on the bullpen as a whole than the actual bullpen coach did. So you get rid of yeah. him, you get rid of Melanson, and you get rid of Reed, and you bring in the new guy without those leaders to take care, you know? I mean, they still got yeah. leaders down there. They got funny guys. They got Luke Jackson's hilarious, you know? Uh, Will Smith's probably a good leader for all I know, but they don't have O'Day. That guy was the guy everybody pointed to as the leader, and they don't have Melanson, who had such a swagger and a confidence and a steely. And guys could look at him and go, this guy's got such big balls, he goes out there and throws 94, and he's just dominant. He's the best closer yeah. in baseball this yeah, year. He throws 91. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he tops out at 94, if yeah. that. But On he throws 91, and you, get, you bring in a guy last night, Muller, who throws 100. Yep. It's not just about stuff and it's got a good slider too. So it's it's not about stuff and and yeah, you you take Melanson out right. You took out a lot of that 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 ballsiness that the bullpen had like our guys coming in, it don't matter who you've got, yep. you know. And it's just as contagious that way. Yeah. When you're a good bullpen and it's just what we do. We We're just got to get good. it to Melanson. Yeah, and and you know that, you know. I mean, it's everybody just kind of falls in line and gets on on track with it. You know, I mean, I've been in some bullpens with some terrible leaders. Mm-hmm. He was in a pen with a guy that it was all about him. He's always bitching about himself and talking about himself. The whole pen sucked that year. It was like, yeah. you're supposed to be our closer. And yeah. you got a problem with the pitching coach. And you're mad at the manager for throwing you this much. And you just spend six innings bitching to us about your life. It's like, we're all making league minimum. And you're making yeah. six million and you're pissed off. You know, I mean, it, it, it really is about leadership down there. Um, and I also think, you know, it's, it's hard to have a left-handed closer. But, you know, I mean, it's you got to be really yeah. really good and smith is he has he's kind of an anomaly because he has that untouchable slider for the most part but um maybe better as a setup guy though yeah um yeah you know um i think i i proposed a bunch of trades in a story that's coming out later today and a couple of them wore four closers i think they bring in a guy like rich rodriguez from the pirates or uh there's a couple of guys that are really being successful this year former uh starters who are having great yeah. seasons as as closers for some pretty bad teams that are out of it. There's that's another hard one, though. You know, I mean, that's another hard one for me is when the team's struggling, you're pitching with no pressure, closing, Obviously, you know, yeah. you're closing for the Pirates, and then you come into a playoff race. Yeah. And the guys, you know, that's where the experience comes in. You know, Melanson's been in playoff races and World Series and big teams before, but when you get guys, a young closer that's comfortable out in Baltimore or Pittsburgh with no pressure, yeah. you know, it's the same kind of hurdle as moving up younger guys into bigger roles in the pen. I, I like what Graveman's done out there with the with the Mariners as a setup yep. guy or a closer. Oh, but yeah. uh um Rich Rodriguez, uh I had Ian Kennedy's having a great year with the Rangers. Uh, right, the guy that the Braves have liked in the past a lot, Raciel Iglesias. Yeah. That guy with the he's with the Angels. They're out of it uh, you know, they played better, but they're still out of it. But that's a guy I think could come in. And then the Marlins, Jimmy Garcia. That guy's dealing this year. He could set yep. up or close. You know, yeah. I think the Dodgers might try to get him back. You know, I don't know if uh, the new, if she, the new MG, uh, the, uh, Kim, in, Kim, Ang, Kim Ang, I always mispronounce it, Kim Ang, well, with the Marlins, I'm not sure where she stands with trading somebody within the division. I would think she'd be reluctant to. Most people are. Uh, the Marlins before didn't seem to care. They'd trade people anywhere. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so there are guys out there are, hey, swing big and go for Kimbrell. But the Cubs, you know, They're they've winning. got other. That they're in it, so yeah. they would have to be so confident in their other guys that they could cover for, and only if they could get back like three big prospects, you know, to rebuild. But I don't see the even then. You that. think David Ross doesn't know exactly. what Kimball's doing for that pen? Exactly. And, I, and you never and, look at the and he knows great it better pens. than anybody, huh? Yeah, you never look at a great pen and they have a shitty yep. closer and yep. all these awesome setup men and stuff. You know, I mean, he, it he, starts with your closer, and he knows all of what we're just talking about. He knows in spades everything, yep. the importance of that guy. Having that guy, well, he's he's caught guys, you know, that that clam up, and well, he's seen get... the difference in their stuff. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Let's go over uh, 
what Snit had to say last night post game because I thought it was uh, definitely noteworthy. We have not seen Brian Snickers' frustrations boil over publicly like this. He's always been kind of from the Bobby Cox school of don't blame anybody, protect everybody. But we saw Cox, we, we saw Bobby blow up a few times, but uh, it had to be a lot and it had to mount. It had to be game after game and go through a particularly long rut. We saw that with Snit last year. I mean, uh, last night, uh, for what the first two months of the season have been brutal at times. The Braves fell to five games under 500, seven and a half back right there with the Nationals. Uh, there's only one team behind them, and they're a lot closer to the Marlins than they are to the Mets right now, uh, the last place Marlins. But anyway, last night, Snit, after the Braves blew a, another lead, uh, he said, oh, what must be done to get this thing going? to go on one of these roles that they've been talking uh, these runs that they've been talking about getting on. He said, guys have got to compartmentalize and do their own job. That's it. You've got to do your own job, whatever that is, whether it's moving a runner over, making a pitch, a play, whatever. If everybody just does their own job, that's what you have to do in this game to take care of yourself and do your job. Said, he was asked basically a question. Do you think this, that a team can be snake bit? And does it feel like maybe that's where this team is right now, where everything that kind of, everything kind of blows up in their face and every move they make tries to, that tends to uh, not work out for them. He said, you create your own breaks. And, and he's saying this with a frustrated tone. I should add, you know, this is, this is snit just like you, unlike he's what pissed. you, yeah, you could tell he's pissed. You, you, was, you texted me last night, the same thing. He's, he's, he's breaking right now. He's getting frustrated. He said, you create your own breaks. I mean, we're not executing. We're doing too many stupid things. And I have not used, heard him use that before. He said, we're doing too many stupid things. It's hard enough to win these games without doing stupid stuff. And you have to execute. Like I say, guys have got to do their job, whether it's moving a runner, making a pitch, and you can't beat yourself. You can't do stupid things and not give yourself a chance. If you're do, going to do that, you're not going to win games at this level. If you don't play a solid, fundamentally sound game, and if you're not mentally aware and into the game, then you're going to lose games. So at this point, once one of the reporters at one of the writers asked Snit about Acuna's play in the ninth inning. And I think Snit was talking about fundamentally sound because Acuna's play happened to be in the ninth inning. This is literally 15 minutes before we get Snit. There's not enough time for him to even cool down because I think an hour later he might have answered differently, but that was obviously yeah. still on his mind. Acuna, if you weren't watching the game last night, had a big hit in the ninth inning, drive, a double to drive in the run, get the Braves back within 10-8. So it's like their last gasp. They still are not dead yet. Acuna tried to stretch that double into a triple, when, and it was pretty clear he was going to get thrown out the whole way. You know, he's he's blown through a lot of stop signs this year, and you and, and often it works out. So he usually doesn't get criticized for because he's just being aggressive. But last night it was it was overly aggressive because it didn't make much sense at that point. You don't get thrown out at third base for the second out of an inning with the MVP, the reigning MVP at the plate. I know Freddie's been slumping. I hadn't had for Freddie year, but he's still the MVP and he's been great throughout his career in those situations. And if Acuna's standing at second with one out and Freddie up, it's a different game than nobody on base with two out. Yeah, well, Freddie can't even tie it. Exactly. So they go from one swing away from tying it to Freddie could homer or still down a run and yeah. leave the and, and then a depleted lineup behind him has to, you know, sure Austin Riley has played great. But anyway, the thing, the snitch point was you can't do that kind of stuff if you're a team that's struggling to get going and and you need to you need to play a clean game, especially against a team like the Red Sox. They're one of the best teams in the AL. Brace scored 16 runs against them in two nights, eight runs both yeah. nights, and lost both games 10-8. Did you understand what he was saying to be? Because he was asked specifically about Acuna. Before that, he had not mentioned anybody in particular. I think he made it. It was. It was you. You can. You can. It was take pretty clear yourself. he was pissed at Acuna, and right. a lot of that was directed at that play. Right, and it wasn't until he was asked about him though did he stay. He was then asked on Acuna's play and whether he has it to say anything to him. Do you need to say anything to him about that play in the ninth, or will he? Does he know that he can't make that play? And Snit's answer was, hopefully he does. I mean, I'd hope I, I wouldn't have to say anything. He was asked another question on whether Acuna was – I asked him. I said, was he maybe – you take it as maybe a guy's just excited on the double and, that, and you know, exuber, showing his exuberation or maybe overly aggressive uh, on the double as he tries to stretch into a triple, make something happen. 
Because in the past, Snit has like, Dansby made a really dumb base running error not long ago, similar to that, got thrown out of third. And Snit said, I can't fault the guy for being aggressive, trying to make something happen. I think the difference is the, the, the frustration level is much higher now. And this was in the ninth inning, literally 15 yeah. minutes before we got What it. inning was Dansby's in? It wasn't in the ninth. I'd have to go back and look. It was late in the game. But the, but at that point, they were still saying, we can turn this thing around. There were only two games out of first or whatever yeah. it was. This is different now. They're falling. They're seven and a half games back. And I, I really, if you know Snit, you know last night, if that had been Dansby that made that same play last night, he would have ripped him just the way he did Acuna. I've said before, Snit loves Acuna, and he has gone out of his way to praise this kid all the time. So I think people... I understand Acuna has his followers, and and we all love Acuna. He's terrific. He's the best player I've ever, young player I've ever seen. I've said that. Doesn't change. I, I mean, I, I, he is to me the player that I would build a team around in the in Major League Baseball over Tatis over everybody. And that that so, but you can't you can't just keep uh, like in that situation if you're snit, you can't just say. I can't fault the guy for buying, trying to be too aggressive. Like you said with Dansby a couple weeks ago, because you're now you're you're things are getting you're getting Harry. a nut cutting time, man. You <laughs> yeah. got to start winning. So yeah. sure, he could have handled it with a little more tact if he's being aware of fans who love Acuna and are looking to pinpoint anything Snit says. And but for anybody to go out and 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 extrapolate that or, or turn that into Snit is singling out Acuna. Snit's racist? Come on. I mean, don't even bring that to my Twitter feed or you're going to get blocked because that's bullshit. But as, was it unfair to criticize him and not and not Dansby for real similar things? Maybe, yeah. but the situation's different right now. And here's another thing. Acuna's a better player than Dansby. Yeah. They rely much more on Acuna. He's the best player on the team. Him and Freddie are the best players. Dansby is a guy that gives you plenty, but he ain't Ronald Acuna. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me, he just broke character and, you know, and I yeah, think frustration, I think he was, it was easier for him to hold it together a couple of weeks ago. And it's going to sound like we're just protecting Snit again. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not here. I, I, I was like, wow, that, that was pretty, pretty blatant who he's calling yeah. out, you know, and I didn't think it was a good look. Um, but, you know, like you said, it was, he didn't have time he didn't have time to calm down really after the game. If that interview was yeah. 45 minutes, he would have done probably a better job of, of yeah. tucking that all down, but everybody breaks and everybody has an off day. You know, it's, I think he's just, he, that it all just happened to boil over. And unfortunately it was with the Cunha cause it always looks like yep. he's targeting him, but yep. um, as probably yeah, I mean, thing Acuna does is, is uh, there's a magnifying glass on it cause yeah. he's so great. Cause and he's, he's so always great. on TV. He's I mean, he's great. Um, but I think it, like you said, if he'd had time to, to consider it and think up a better answer, he could have easily said, you can't do what Acuna did. You can't do what Dansby did two weeks ago. You can't make stupid errors like yeah. that. And it would have taken care of this whole thing. Yeah. So but I you're understand not thinking that people, clearly. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, he was, his blood was boiling. And I can understand why people get thinking that he's singling out Acuna, but you know, like for, for, for instance, the, the, the one that we've talked about a lot when Acuna didn't uh, run on the ball that he thought was out of the park. And that happened a couple of times, uh, two years ago. It's because the expectations are so high on Acuna because he's so damn good. But, yeah. but last night was a situation where if that hadn't happened in the ninth inning, he wouldn't have singled him out. But no. anyway, his answer, when I asked him about that, I said, could that maybe be Acuna just getting excited or when you excuse that, you know, for being trying to make something happen? He said, no, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't be excited. He's hit doubles before. Like I say, that's just one of those things. You can't do stupid things like that and expect to win games. We've got the tie and run at the plate and the MVP, and you get thrown out by 10 feet. You can't do that and expect to win. That's not excited either. These guys have a, have hit a lot of base hits, doubles, the whole thing. It's just being aware and smart. You can't make those kinds of mistakes and expect to win. Again, we've never heard Snit say like that. No, like, about an individual like that. No, I mean you. You don't want to enable it at that point. You don't want to make excuses for a guy. I, I think he definitely wanted him to to feel a little pain over that decision, and, and he doesn't want it to happen again. Um, you know, that's that is a big play. It's a huge play. It was their last chance. I mean, yeah, they didn't have a I mean, great that, chance, but at least they once had he got still thrown out there, you're like, that's yeah, a wrap. You're done. You know, I mean, it's it's probably over. But 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I've never seen him really. I think he's just he's just feeling that pressure, you know. I, well, I don't, like, I'm not going to make an excuse for it. It's not it's not a good look, and and I think most managers, even then, you have to be able to hold it together and and not have something like that blow up into another distraction for your team, you know. Which is why I, I thought that it wasn't the right way to to present it. But I mean, he protects his guys 99.9 percent yeah. of the time, and he just. He, just like, just like Bobby Cox did. And yep. if Snit manages Acuna for another five years or whatever, I think Acuna, regardless, I think Acuna will look back at this as a teaching point and, and not blame Snit for throwing him under the bus. Guys, players are a lot tougher than the fans oh, who man. try to protect them. Acuna yeah. is a tough son of a bitch, and this is not going to bother. He knows he's great, and anything Snit says is going to roll off his back, and he's going to take what he said and go, he's right. But it's yeah. not going to hurt him. Like It hurts the feelings of those fans who are protecting him. He's not yeah. a little kid. No, no. He's not going to get. I think that's that's the best point you can make. It, He's not like if hang I come his in, head. if I come in and throw a stupid pitch and blow a game, I'm a billion times meaner to myself than anybody else can be. You could say anything you want about me. Yeah, I'm going to say worse about right. myself, and I'm going to toss and turn in bed. You know, losing sleep over that decision or pitch. Uh, baseball players are tough, man. There's so much failure. Yeah. There's constant ridicule. Everything you do is magnified. I don't think that. You know, those more than anything, the only thing wrong with it is we got to talk about it today. You know, Acuna will get thrown out there and be like, Fuck, that was stupid. We got another game tomorrow. And you know, his teammates told him that too, in a good way. You know, Ozzy said, What are you doing, man? You can't do that. You know, those guys said that to him. You know, There's, Sandoval said that to him. Nobody's harder than you, than the guys in the clubhouse, but they're also the most forgiving. Right. They love you. And, right. and you just, you just got to wear your mistakes sometimes, you know? And, and I he think did. that's. Yeah, I mean, it's he knows he messed it up. Great it's over. response. And this says a lot about Acuna, too. He came in the Zoom room, so they obviously approached him, said they'd like to talk to you, and he could have easily said, I don't want to talk less, because there are guys that do that, closers yeah. who blow and don't want to talk. Uh, Will Smith has been good about coming in and talking when we've asked. We asked for Acuna. He came in, and he handled it like a, like a stud, man. He said, honestly, I was just trying to make an aggressive play. That was my mentality. But looking back on it now, that was my bad. I made a mistake. I obviously should have given the hitter behind me a chance to drive in a run. Perfect. Boom. That's what you yeah. say. You move on. I mean, he and handled he, that like like the stud and he's that young. he is. Like he, he's young, and he's got to learn to think like that. And like you said, you know, I mean, he runs through soft signs all the time, and he's right. safe because he's so freaking fast. You know, right. I don't, I don't necessarily blame him there for his aggression, but it's that's another learning moment where you say. All right, I cannot get thrown out at third here. So you right. learn in those situations that he doesn't get thrown out a lot. <laughs> you know, what I mean, no. if he's safe, it's not even a big deal. You know, maybe his teammates talk to him or don't, but it's kind of like you got to mess up sometimes and feel that pain to be willing to make the adjustment. Right, and it's like, and he's so young, and it's hard to to put. You don't want to put the reins on a guy like that. You don't want him thinking being start to be less aggressive. You because nine times out of ten, it's going to work out for him. You want this guy to be aggressive. You just got to know there are certain things you don't do. Ninth inning, you don't get thrown out at third for the second out with Freddie Freeman batting. Yeah. You know? So it's not asking him to change his approach to the game because that's the last thing they want. They'd rather make that out than completely change his approach to the game and yeah. be timid, you know, be timid and not be so. But that's how you learn. You yeah. know, you learn by messing up. You don't. The same thing with hitting the ball off the fence in the playoffs and getting a single. Right. Like, He's learned. You haven't seen him do that again. No, you you those he's got to learn those lessons, and it's easy to forget how young he is. And yeah. you don't get challenges when you're as good as him. You don't get challenged in the in the minor leagues and right. in the way that he needs to get challenged to learn those lessons. So you're going to see him learn some tough lessons in the big leagues. Yeah, and that's just part of it. You know, he's going to get criticized for it. And the reason we're talking about it is because it was a big moment in a big game for a team that's kind of spiraling right now. But the other thing is, he's so great. We're talking about yeah. it because he's so great. If a lesser player made that mistake, we're not going to waste that time talking about it today because it's like, okay, well, that guy's not that great. This yeah, is the great player. If yeah. Tatis does that, they're going to talk about it on the next day on, on MLB Network, you know? So, yeah, Even if it, it's unfair, you're always going to be exposed to a lot of lot more scrutiny as a superstar player. Just as you're going to be made, all, everything you do great is going to be blown up too. You're going to get yep. so, And he's great. He's one of the biggest stars in the game. And and so it goes with the territory, and and I'll take Acuna on my team a thousand times, yeah. you know, every time yeah. over anybody else. I want Acuna starting my team. That's the guy. So 
And you watch, he'll be a better player for it, for, for, you know, for having been told, you know, you can't do that. So anyway, um, AJ Mentor, he's really had been bad lately. I mean, let's see what I've been around. He's been bad. After having a great stretch, all these people saying DFA him, though. Come on. The guy was really good last year and for, for the first two months this year. He's only had like two rough patches, but right now is one of them. Two out of his last three outings, he's been terrible. So he comes in last night with bases loaded after uh, Green left the bases loaded. Uh, and AJ gives up a grand slam to Verdugo, the first guy he faces, after getting ahead. Arroyo. Arroyo, I'm sorry. Arroyo. Yeah, yeah. Arroyo, yeah. And he did the whole Euro step thing and everything. Not Verdugo. <laughs> Arroyo. Um, six hits, six runs. I, without, without looking it up, that, off the top of my head, six hits and six runs he's allowed while recording three outs in his last, uh, or four outs in his last three outings. He hasn't made out of any in any of those. He might be having to pitch without pine tar on his hand or sunscreen and rosin, you know. I mean, it's. I don't know I anything about that. With him, I know, but, but there's look, some, there's a lot there's of guys. There's going to be a lot of runs. guys that yeah. do some out of character stuff. And yep. if there's a little more spin on that cuttery through to Royal, you know, maybe it gets in on the hands just enough where it's a pop up instead of a home run. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, that's why it's hard for me to gauge where, you know, I mean, if, even if he had the right thought process yesterday and he threw the ball right where he wanted to and it just did less because he's, he can't grip it. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to gauge, you know, if that was a mental thing or if what's going on with him. And but it, I mean, when it coincides with they announced this thing and then he has a couple of rough games, you know, you're asking guys to do. Yeah. To to pitch in a different way now that they they're going to make some mistakes like that. Yeah. And you're not accusing him necessarily of using spider tackle, whatever you're saying. All the pitchers, you can't use sunscreen and rosin, right? Which is like the starter kit, right? So if you can't use anything, that's going to. We're seeing a lot of guys get blown up in the last week that were having good years. There's a lot of crooked numbers in the last week. Yes, some great pitchers, starters and relievers, are getting blown up since they announced last week that they were going to do this, and even before they announced the penalties. But in the like. Ian Anderson, he's a guy that you would never think that's even that that would have anything to do with what he does because he comes straight over the top. His whole thing is deception. It's deception, but he's got a curveball spin. You know, right. you lose a little bit of that, and all of a sudden, instead of a ground ball to shorts up, it's a line drive in the hole. And he's had a couple of outings where you're like, that's not him last year. So, I mean, it, it's it going to be a shit show. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys doing stuff you're not used to. A lot more home runs, I'm sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because that was uh, – that's obviously the biggest thing right now in the game is everybody's talking about because you never see MLB make such a such a change in the middle of a season, and then uh, Glasnow comes out and says after he has a partial tear of his UCL and his elbow, he comes out and just blatantly just uh, point blank blames MLB, says that he had to change what he did, grip the ball tighter, whatever he did, and that that's what caused his injury. I mean, that's like, wow. I mean, not many guys would say that even if they felt it. I believe it. It's. I mean, it's. it seems like a guy's making excuses or just placing blame, but I heard uh-huh. everything he said, and I was like, that kind of makes sense. You know, the harder you squeeze the ball, yep. the more you're using all those flexor muscles in there. And I, my, my brain also told me that he shouldn't have gotten MRI because those tears and the stuff in there was probably already right. there. Right, You know, my brain was like, your arm's just really sore from throwing different for the first time in a few years. Yeah, but everything you said made sense. I mean, you got to squeeze the ball tighter. That's harder on all those flexor muscles. You know, it all piles up faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to get a, the point across because people have thrown yeah. high school balls and college balls, and the seams are this thick. You know, the seams are like an inch and a half thick on a high school ball. The baseball balls, the the MLB ball, the the seam is flat, like it's non-existent. And then they rub it up with that powder. It's not mud. They call it mud. It's a powder. You know, I mean, you when you get a new ball from the ump, you spend the whole time trying to get the mud off. Because it's still so white. You, so you can actually it's grip it. It's not muddy. <laughs> it's yeah, white. I know. It's just white and it's got this dirt powder on it and it's, it's even harder to grip. That That's why for me that banning even sunscreen and rosin, I mean, all guys use the sunscreen for us to make the rosin actually stay on their finger right. and not fall off itself. Right. Um, banning that, not even letting them use sunscreen and rosin where you're even thinking, can I even wear sunscreen? If it gets on here, am I getting suspended? Uh-huh. So you got guys basically pitching naked out there yeah, and they're not used to it. Um, you change the ball, you change any little detail in baseball, 
you're talking about the best in the world at it. So every little tiny detail is something they can actually feel. It's not like your kid going out and playing in some summer league and yeah. he doesn't know the difference in the mound. These yeah. guys feel every little thing. You watch a golfer make an adjustment to their swing. You could watch it 50 times and not even know what they changed. It's, yeah. it's the same concept. That little centimeter of a difference or pitchers move their arm, you know, a, a a centimeter lower their arm slot and it changes their season. That's how fine tuned and precise everything is at the major league level. And now you're changing the, the biggest part of feel the, the most important yep. thing for them is how that ball feels and how they can grip it. So I understand pitchers frustration. You know, I think, I think the league's making the, the best move they can because once you start using adhesives and super glue and all this stuff where a guy can just stick a ball into the palm of his hand and move his arm around, it won't fall out with his hand open. You know, that's that's where it's getting extreme, and that's yeah. where guys were getting the performance benefits. But not even letting them use sunscreen and rosin, they can't even grip the ball now. I mean, you're going to see some guys' seasons fall apart and injuries. Yeah, I mean, it's a radical. Like I, You express it. I hope people understand why. Because the knee-jerk reaction to people was, okay, Tyler Glasnow, if you can't pitch without cheating, then somebody else can pitch for you. You you don't deserve to be out there. And that's just such – that's ridiculous. He's just Something saying – Something not cheating. Right. He's just it's saying – just what, having a shot. That's the game. And you can't just change the equipment on people midseason and not expect them to say anything. And yeah. he's saying what everybody else is feeling. It's like if you told batters, I'm trying to have an equivalency on hitters, but it's hard to come up with something. But it would be like if you changed in the middle of the college season 10 years ago and told all the hitters you can't use aluminum bats anymore, you have to use wood bats in the middle of the season. Yeah. Or if you yeah. told all the hitters that have used batting gloves since the since the time they played Little League, no more batting gloves at all. But it's even more so because, like you said, pitchers, it's all about feel, especially some pitchers. Certain pitches they have, they are all feel pitchers. They're not even power guys. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, the whole feel is different. Well, how about I'll give you an example of just noticing a different feel. If you got your car only you drive and you take it to a valet or a car wash, and all of a sudden you get back in your car and they tried to put the seat back for right. you, right. and that thing's sitting up an extra five degrees, it yeah. feels like, I mean, you notice it right away. You're like, man, somebody moved my seat. Yeah. that Because you're used to that same feel day in, day out. And I, and I mean, that doesn't correlate perfectly with pitching. It'd be like if your steering was off or something, right. all of a sudden you got to go drive a hundred miles an hour and take a turn. You know, how comfortable are you with that? Right. You might go off the road a little bit, but you, you can feel made, that. Or if they, made, if they made Steph Curry, if they gave him a basketball that was five ounces heavier or three yeah. ounces heavier. Or just diff, if they changed the tack on the basketball, right? You know, right. if the basketball was slick all of a sudden, how Steph Curry shooting, sure. Do an experiment, have him throw with that baseball mud all over or shoot with that baseball mud all over it. See how he does, you know. I mean, you're talking about the best in the world where every single little detail they can feel, they know what they're doing, um, and and you're making it harder for them. Now, is pine tar cheating? Maybe, you know. I mean, you, if we didn't have a way to measure it, so I didn't use it, but I absolutely would have used it if I knew it'd make my slider better and my fastball better. I just spit all over my hand and then fake wiped it off, so I had that moisture on there, that tackiness. You know, I'd put three fingers and, and I mean, I just drool on the ball, basically just trying to get tackiness because when I tried to use pine tar, I couldn't get the ball out of my hand. I'd yank everything mm -hmm. and I never put the time in to make that adjustment. But if someone had presented it to me like, hey, if you use this on your fingertips, you get another 300 spin on your slider. I would have thrown with pine tar every single day till I figured it out. We just didn't know the benefits. And then you guys, you had guys take it to the next level and use an adhesive. Yeah. Like super glue, basically, where they can spin the crap out of the ball. And it and it's it's basically like steroids for pitchers. So I I agree with them getting rid of all those super strong adhesives and everything, but you need something to grip these balls because they're super slick. So yeah. there's got to be like something released that's just a uniform. Everybody gets this, you know, I guess rosin was supposed to do that, but rosin's not enough with the balls. It's just not yeah. enough. I mean, you need something on the mound that everybody can use that doesn't enhance spin rate. You know, you can do some tests. There's plenty of people able to do it. Um, come up with something that everybody can use to get that grip. Like the universal and, rag there. And that's it. If you get caught with anything else, you're suspended. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Yeah, they're going to have to do something, but I don't know if they'll do it in midseason because it looks like they're just doing so much well, from the not hip. enough time. Right. Well, they but did you've this. seen a lot of crooked numbers the last few days. You know, and uh, I see, yeah. Uh, already you're seeing offense drastic change yeah yeah overnight uh, 
and, and, and one of the uh, former Marlins pitchers came out and said, basically insinuated that Michael Hill, who's the vice president of MLB now, and he's kind of in tro- control of this crackdown. He's a former Marlins GM. And a former Marlins pitcher came out and said yesterday, basically, that Michael Hill had the Marlins, told the Marlins pitchers, you need to use this stuff. When he was their GM, you need to use sticky substances. And he's now trying he's to help him out. You know, if they're not going to crack down on it. it. Now he's leading up the crackdown. Well, he knows how valuable it is. <laughs> That's why he was selling it. But it's like even more embarrassing, this whole thing, that that comes out yesterday. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. And I, if you've got more pitchers come out, if more pitchers get hurt and they blame it on it, MLB is yeah. in a position where, I mean, this is, you're going to start getting, you might even start getting legal issues. You Somebody's going to try. You know somebody's going to sue. Whether I mean, it's hard it holds to sue up. when you were technically breaking the rules. I know, but if that was accepted, you know, you know some attorney is going to present it as that was accepted that they allowed them to use this for years and years, and all of a sudden you made them change in the middle of a season. And my guy got hurt, and it's costing him $50 million like, on his next contract. I'm, you I'm jaywalk saying, every day, and the cops don't give you a sure, ticket. You get BS, hit by a car. Somebody will, do it. somebody will bring a frivolous lawsuit, yeah. whether it's frivolous or not. Somebody's going to do it. But um, whether Glassnow's assessment of his injury is accurate or not, and you, you already said. You I buy it. I yeah. absolutely buy it. You know, I, don't, I don't want to make excuses for guys, but I buy that. There, uh, Britt Garola, uh, a friend of the show, wrote uh, a great story today about the whole mess that's come up in the last couple of days since pitchers were told they have to pitch naked, as you say. She wrote, there's a faction of pitchers, veterans, and rookies alike who are terrified to throw with absolutely zero substances. There's a league actively working with, w- working with an outside company to create an approved substance that doesn't skyrocket spin rates. That knows using that knows using nothing is not the long term answer. And yet, even if MLB decided tomorrow to change its memo and allow sunscreen mixed with rosin, a popular rallying cry among some players, it wouldn't solve the problem. Yes, sunscreen is fairly benign on a scale of bare hands to spider attack. It does increase it though, like a Brent little writes, bit. But yes, the players held a Zoom meeting on June 8th, attended by more than 40 people, mostly team union reps, and a vast majority of hitters and pitchers didn't have a problem with sunscreen rosin use. But in the right hands with the right amount, MLB found an RPM increase of up to 200. What's the difference? Other independent studies have shown to be slightly lower. It's not crazy to think within days, clubs that are employing chemists and mixing their own sticky stuff will have something that looks like sunscreen and smells like sunscreen and definitely isn't sunscreen. So it's or like a they whole find can the of best sunscreen. You know, there's one sunscreen brand out there right, that's a right. little extra tacky. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's a slippery slope, but. She, she, she writes, the same logic applies to having a universal rag on the mound by, by the rosin bag. You give an inch and, quote, people reverse, will reverse engineer their own substance that's a lot tackier and a lot stickier than the rag, said one league executive involved in the process. The enforcement process is tricky and does require bright lines as we sit here today. It's a mess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're I mean, trying to solve this issue of bore. They're trying to solve this issue of boring games with no offense and and uh, skyrocketing uh, strikeout rates and lowering batting averages. And now they're going to go into the other extreme and try to get to the mid- middle is going to be difficult. Doing it with while the season is going on, you know, yeah. it's tough. But it's it's been a dreadful season for a lot of yeah. baseball fans to watch. You yeah, know? I mean. It, that's why I say, you know, I do agree with the move because guys abused it and, and guys guys took it to the extreme where it was like, all right, well, we were giving you this leeway so you could grip these baseballs that are tough to grip, but you took it and you put yeah. Gorilla Glue on your hand and now you're throwing a no-hitter every week. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it, the pitchers kind of brought this on themselves. You know, even – I don't even know. You know, if I was a teammate and I saw a guy putting some kind of substance on his hands, how – I wouldn't say anything, but – if right. it came down to it and I was using pine tar and he's using this spider tag and he's winning a Cy Young, I might be like, let me, let me give that a try, you know? And then it gets to the point where everybody's using something you kind of have to, you know, to, to keep up. It's kind of like steroids all over again, where you had good guys doing it to stay in the league. Um, there's no right answer, but the pitchers definitely brought this on themselves. Yeah. And like I told you, Kevin Seitzer, had said what he sees is hitters are not being penalized for striking out and they're only being rewarded for for slugging percentage for slugs. So yeah. that's why it's the game's gone like it is, because if hitters don't aren't going to get penalized for striking out, they don't mind striking out 150 times if they can hit 30 bombs. 
Well, you hit 330 with six homers, you're in AAA. Right. And along those lines, Brett writes, just like hitters who get paid to hit home runs don't decide they want to instead lead the league in hits, you do what gets you paid in fixing approaches on both sides takes years and fundamental changes in player development and the free agency system. Talking about and the problem pitchers. with that is that you're also, you know, you had the analytics come in and show you that you can win like that. Yes. And guys. it maybe is the best way to win. And that's now you're paying guys to win it just in a shitty, boring way. She says guys will tinker with grips and muscle the ball like Glasnow said he did before they go out there and get pummeled. It's perhaps better to be hurt than be bad. Well, yeah. Yeah. How many guys you see injured their whole career, but when they're, when they're healthy, you know, that was a big quote we had was we'd always say when healthy, we'd see some dude on ESPN getting all the highlights and they're yeah. talking about how great he is. And we'd all be saying when healthy, cause he's on the DL half the season. Yeah. You have to put up numbers, you know, and guys know that and getting paid, you know, that's, it's a big part of the career. It, it's a big motivator. You know, yeah. it's the net guys aren't going to guys aren't out there to play entertaining baseball. They want to win and get paid. And right now that's what, you get you win and you get paid hitting homers and striking out and it's ugly and boring. You know, I bet the league did that to themselves too. They made it easier to hit home runs. You juice the balls. Yeah. Now it's re- if guys were flying out to the warning tracks with the with a fly ball approach, you're like shit, I'm hitting 210 and yeah. I only have six homers. I got to make an adjustment. But when you make the ball fly out of the park, I mean it's 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 more realistic to swing for the fence. Uh, and 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 remember, MLB is still taking heat over over uh, giving immunity to the Astros players, so they can't come out now and give immunity to all the guys that get caught with this. They're going to have to crack down. They've come out and said they're going to crack down. So if they don't, they're going to look like they have no teeth whatsoever. They're going to look like the NCAA before long. You know what I mean? So um, I I thought what you said last week, just to wrap this up, I thought what you said last week about that Japanese ball being different. That's the best solution for me. Yeah, to me, it's like you can't do a super tacky ball they're talking about because then it's going to get on everything. But I don't know why you can't do that. A ball with more, like you said, Little League and college balls or whatever that have bigger seams or just that are You can't do bigger seams. But that aren't slick. Yeah, so if you did bigger seams, you don't even want to see Pericle slider with big. The seams, that that actually, I mean, that seams are even. The surface just needs to be not as slick. the guys that go over to Japan and they say they don't need pine tar or they don't need this. You know, they're like, there's, they, they use a different leather or something. Then? Why don't they try that? I haven't even heard that mentioned. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, is I mean, it all about economics? Ball, they, is they it stick contracts with it. they have? With I, don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, the deal is with it. But for me, that's the best solution is next year you say sure. the ball is grippable now. Right. And you, you don't have to deal with this at all. I mean, it's, it's kind that of insane like, to have a, a baseball you can't grip, and that's uh, and people don't understand how slick these balls are. It, they don't want to see hitters getting hit more. That's what they don't want to see. No, you don't want to see your favorite that. player get hit in the face. But that's why I pitch better in Atlanta than Seattle. A big part of it, you know, the, the atmosphere Humidity. is different and everything. Yeah, but you're on the West Coast. They rub the balls up with that powder, and 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 it's dry air. You know, yeah. in Atlanta, I was always Colorado. sweating. Everything was sticky and sweaty Arizona. in Atlanta. You could just grip the ball finally. But you go on to the West Coast. Said. Yeah. He said, we're, we're pitching in all these different environments or somebody. I think well, he's pitching Glasgow. in air conditioning. Right. It's taking humidity out of there. So that's fine. If all the places were 72 degrees in domes and the, and the atmosphere was the same, you could get used to it. But now you're asking guys to pitch like in Atlanta with 90 degrees and humid. Colorado with 75 and no humidity. Arizona, 110 and no humidity. Yeah, San Diego, totally different environments everywhere they go. I mean, it's, and a different dude rubbing up the balls. You just have yeah. a, the home club. He does it. Yeah, you watch him. He's just th- every swipe he takes into that mud potion is different. It's like one's a big chunk. Rub it all over it. Throw it in the bucket. I got two hundred of these to rub up for the game. Three hundred of them. It's probably why the guy that was was making a, a much, bunch of money the the Air, the Angels clubby guy that was doing all these. Mixing up all this shit for everybody, the Scherzers and the ver- everybody that was well, getting that's this why stuff. They, yeah. <laughs> it's probably why it happened in Southern California, though, where it's a guy yeah. a place where guys go out and they're pitching in low humidity, dry well, air. figure it out for the home team first. Right. You know, it's and not happening. he's on the visiting side. He's like, you want some of this? It's the club in Atlanta is not going to be the one concocting that stuff. You don't it's have like to. You're pitching in soup here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I, I love for, pitching for in humid months. weather. I love, like, I don't know if my numbers reflect it, but you look at, how my career went when I was playing on the East Coast all the time. Yeah. It was like everything changed for me. And I was a guy that didn't use any sticky stuff. 
Well, not because I was smart, because I was dumb. You know, I should have been using it. Maybe, uh, maybe Braves team should uh, take a cue from the past and build more around pitching than anything else. I mean, look at their golden years. What was the what yep. was the thing? they had great sluggers, but look what held it all together. Yeah, you know. Anyway, that's a bigger topic for another another conversation. But uh, man, so much going on in the game right now. But I know right now, Braves fans just want to see their team win, regardless of all the sticky stuff. They just want to see their team win and. And after the game last night, Mentor said all the right things about how we keep getting punched in the face, but we keep getting up, and those other teams better worry because we're a team you need to be careful with when we get going because we're going to get on a roll. I know people don't want to hear him say that, but I guess that's, yeah. that's at least better than saying I don't know what we can do at this point. Fuck you know? it, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wave we're cursed this year. You know, I, just, I might just drive my truck back home. You know, <laughs> Hit me up next spring. We'll try so, again. You, know, you, you can't say that stuff. They came in and said the right things. He said, you They're know, they, he said they come to the ballpark every day expecting to win, and that hasn't changed. So, Let's hope that's the only way to turn it around. If you're a Braves fan, let's hope that uh, yeah. you got to hope that that's, that's accurate. That yep. the guys will come to the park expecting to win every night. So it's uh, going to be interesting to say the least. Got this is a huge road trip coming up. Big, big, big span coming up, period. Four games against the Cardinals at home starting tonight, Thursday night. And then you go on the road, four games against the Mets, who you've got to start making up ground on them. And that would be head to head. That's when you do it. Either way, it could change a lot of things, those four games against the Mets. Yeah. And then, then go down and play the Marlins. So the team that's right behind you is starting to nip at your heels. So this is a big week and a half coming up. I know we've said that about a lot of other yeah. weeks, but but now the Braves don't have a lot of wiggle room and they need to start getting going. You can't you can't go double digits down and 10 games under 500 before the All-Star break. You need to start turning it around. Regardless of what the team ahead of you does, even if you stay 7 games behind the Mets, you need to stay start to crack uh, get uh, nip away uh, or chip away at that 5 games under 500 deficit. You can't really worry yeah. about the Mets. You just got to start winning yourself. You got to handle stuff in house and you got to start winning and playing better yourself. And that, I mean that's the thing is there's not a team that scares me in the division if they get it together. Yeah. They just it's been one thing or another for the whole year, you know. I mean it's, it right. feels like the same games over and over and over. And yeah. I'm sure they're Look, they're just they're twenty million times more frustrated than anybody watching or analyzing. Their lives, it. it's their livelihoods. Yeah, but yeah, if they get it going, they can beat anybody. But if they play like this, you know, I mean, it's yeah. going to be a long year. And the Mets are a Degrom injury away from the whole picture changing. So, uh, yeah. you know, that could, they get a free win every fifth day. It's not like they're chasing the Dodgers or you know the Giants even this year or you know chasing a, a powerhouse team like that. So, but. I think they they're need to, to they're the powerhouse. <laughs> they're just I, not doing it. I think that Alex needs to make a move or two. I think they need to get an outfielder. I think they need to get another starting pitcher. Go for Berrios yeah. with the twins, man. They're out of it. Go for that dude. Yeah. He's signed for another year. He's a solid guy. If you could add a guy to the top of your rotation, it would make a big difference. Then, yeah. then you know, and I think they need to add at least one arm to the bullpen. Yeah. I think those are three moves that they've got to make, and I don't think you can wait another month and make much less wait till the end of July. I think you need to try to make those now because you got a few teams that are completely out of this thing, like the Diamondbacks and the Twins have been a disaster. The Pirates are a disaster. You could those teams, if you make the right move, the right offer would make a move now. Yeah. I think a reliever, you know, you could give up the least for most of the time. Yeah. Barrios is you're gonna have to give up a lot because a lot of teams would want that guy, especially with another year on his deal. But 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 it's time. It's time you you tap into that prospect capital. I'm sure, you've hung sure he's on making to, some phone calls. <laughs> you've hung on to a few of these guys too long, and they don't have the value they did before. You yeah. don't want that to happen with all these guys. Kyle Wright doesn't yeah. have the value that he would have had a year ago. You know, yeah. coming off that postseason and everything. I think you. I think you got to move him. I think Drew Waters doesn't have the value he probably had a year ago. I think you could move Drew Waters if because because you've got. You know, I like pot. As much as Pate struggled this year at this level offensively, yeah. he goes down to AAA. Look at his numbers in AAA compared to Drew Waters. He's raking at AAA. Pache is. Drew yeah. Waters is still striking out once every more than once every three at bats in AAA. I think we've seen what Pache can do defensively, and I still think there's plenty of reason to believe Pache can be a good, at least an average major league hitter and maybe above. I don't have the same feeling about Drew Waters. So if you need to trade him, you trade him because you got right fields already covered for the next whatever. 
and you can go out and get another outfielder if you need to. But if you need to, if that's what you need to do, a position guy, you can't keep tap. You know, you got to trade real prospects, or you're not going to get some of these guys back from rebuilding teams. Yeah, especially if you're worried Freddie might not be coming back. You know, I mean, this pretty your windows can close in this game pretty quick. Yeah, but I think I still think Freddie's going to be back, and that would make that would be. The coup de grace, as far as making horrible moves, would be to not <laughs> resign Freddie. And yeah. if I'm them, I get that done by the All Star break. Just, just you got attendance again now. There's no excuse about it. It's back. Your money. You're making a lot more money now. Just you know, step up and resign Freddie and get that done, and make people at least feel good about that because that's hanging over the team too, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. All right. 755 is real. We'll be back next uh, Monday from New York going on the road again, finally. So double header Monday. We might have to do it uh, Tuesday. <laughs> Monday well, night or Tuesday. out for my son so I can do this. I don't have to do it at 730 a.m. anymore. It'd be nice. All right. 755 is real. We are out of here. Thanks. Thanks.